life can bring us storms. Those moments where we wander, wonder, doubt. The journey doesn't stop, but the progress does. It can be lonely, painful. Sometimes we try to stare it down, as if we could somehow will it to go away. Or we think we can go toe-to-toe -to -toe and come out the other side, unscathed. We often forget just how small we are. The truth is, storms are inevitable. But when they appear, we have a protector. A savior who knows a thing or two about calming storms. A God who is a stronghold in times of trouble. In our weakness, He is strong. In our fear, He is courage. In our desperation, He is peace. Yes, storms are inevitable. But our God is invincible. Well, hello and welcome to Belong Church. We're so glad that you're with us for the ride. And I just love that picture in the the bumper video where he's standing there and you see all the stuff happening all around him, the storms. And, and I'm sure you're like me. You've been standing in storms. You can just feel the electric um, in the air and the electricity in the air and, and just that sense of just the excitement of being alive and feeling that and knowing that God is right there. So for those of you who don't notice right off, yes, I did shave my beard. It's one of the coronavirus recommendations that um, you, they said it is, as crazy as it sounds to me, they said that it actually stores in the, the, the beards of men and you should trim it. And I, I just got a, just a wild idea and decided that I was going to do that and try and scare my wife and my daughter and both of which worked out very well for me, I'm happy to say. But I'm really happy about last week's message and, and the ability to share that there is a hope. And if you didn't catch it, and I, I just really would encourage you to go back to our YouTube channel, go back to our podcast, and, and watch it because it was just such a great um, thing for us to have our perspective put on there. And we're continuing on in that in, this week, and not really a part two, but it, it, it's, it's really the continuation because it's something we need to continue to hear. And it's part of our process of maintaining standing firm in the storm. And at the beginning of the year, since this, since this is the year 2020, I just knew ahead of time there was going to be so many cheesy graphics about 2020 and clear vision and, and 2020 and vision and all of those things. And sure enough, most churches did not disappoint. They came through. In fact, some of the blogs that I'm on, they, they all talked about like, oh my gosh, are all your pastors making you create these things and using the, the glasses for the zeros on the 2020 and just like everybody's like oh shoot me now and all that stuff and I purposely stayed away from that because to me it's so predictable and it's so obvious 
But can I tell you that now as we're in the month of March, as we're facing this coronavirus and this pandemic that's going across the whole world, and it's so many things have shut down that even my side job or my full-time job, really, of driving, being a private driver and driving for Uber and everything, everything's shut down for over two weeks now heading into three weeks now with not making any money. And, and so many people now are all experiencing the, the everything shelter in place. You can't leave unless you're essential. And, and man, it's just, it, the whole world is just shutting down. Can I tell you that God is still at work? And in fact, I really believe that this is a correction and not, not a correction as in you're getting corrected, but it's something that is bringing things back into alignment. And let me just say right here that this isn't from God. The this, this sickness is not from God. He does not make his people sick. He does not make people who don't follow him sick. That's not God. But it is being used by God. And, and I, I like to think of it as a hard reset. And we're realigning in priorities. And, and can you believe that the most sought after thing in the entire United States is toilet paper? Pastor Tad posted this funny picture. He says, you know, in 2020, I started off in the beginning and I was just so excited about how great it was going to be. He goes, and then at the beginning of this month, we were having to use um, coffee filters for toilet paper. And then he's holding a big thing from Costco. He goes, but man, I'm so happy. I'm back in the blessings or some semblance of that, but it's really, really funny. But I saw this picture, and, and, I, and a couple of them actually, and they really cracked me up. If you bought 30 rolls of toilet paper, you owe the church three rolls, because tithing isn't canceled. That just made me laugh. And, then, and the next one, and this guy is being arrested with possession with intent to distribute, and that's just, but up boom, just leave that right where it's at. I, I thought those were... Very, very funny. And so far as funny memes were going, and I, I didn't have Michael make a screen for this, but I saw this meme on Facebook. It says, and just like that, prayer and spankings return to school. Hashtag homeschoolers. And, and everybody's now schooling from home and, and the, the craziness that is that. And I have a friend who posted on Facebook as well this week that her her child's um, teachers all drove in a line down the street and all were yelling at them, telling, hey, we love you, we miss you, and, and stay healthy, and, you know, they're helping them. She's like, it brought tears to their eyes, and, and that's just awesome how teachers are stepping up, and so many people are stepping up. As, as I mentioned, we're realigning our priorities. But if I can be extremely literal, whether clear vision is beneficial depends on what you're looking at. See, just having clear vision isn't enough. Because clear vision and looking at a lie, or clear vision looking at something that's causing you to stumble, is not going to be productive. And it certainly isn't going to be healthy for you. So let me ask you, and I'll ask this several times, what are you focusing on? What is it that you've got in your sights? Is it the news media? Is it all the doom and the gloom? Is it all the number? And we mentioned this last week, and again, I'll make reference to it. Go back and listen to that message. Maybe if you listen to it, you need to go back and listen to it and let hope arise with inside of you. But what are you focusing on? What is it that you have your eyes set on? See, Moses, in the 
first book of the Bible ended up helping the, the whole nation of Israel that was in captivity. They moved out in Exodus, the second book of the Bible. And they got out and they're wandering around. And we talked about how they just went around in circles a few weeks ago. And, and now here they are trying to advance into what God had for them. And they're still going around. But look at this incredible stories in Numbers 21, starting with verse 4. Again, this is out of the NIRV. I love this version. I encourage you to, to read the Bible on this because it just really is so accurate for us today. The Israelites traveled from Mount Hor along the way to the Red Sea, and they wanted to go around Edom, but they got tired. They grew tired on the way. Isn't that like us sometimes? We, we have this path and we're traveling and we're trying to advance in what we're going. And, and we wanted to go to this place, but we kind of get tired. And we say, man, why? How, how much further? And can't you imagine? Uh, the, the, they're like the, the, uh, the preschoolers or the teeny boppers and the young kids are like, oh, are we there yet? I mean, and they're just whining and complaining. Look at this. So they spoke against God. Let me just tell you, that's not a good idea. That certainly is not a good look on anyone to complain and to speak against God. And they also spoke against Moses. And they said, why have you brought us up out of Egypt? And do you want us to die here in the desert? And we don't have any bread and we don't have any water. And, and as I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about the people that are going to any store. And most of them now have water, which is a great thing. But toilet paper is running out quickly, like the first thing in the morning. And, and, and you know, they keep getting stocks of water. But isn't that like us that we're like them? What are we going to do here? Are we going to die out here? Aren't you worried about us, government? Aren't you going to send us our stimulus check? Aren't you going to do this? We don't have any bread. We don't have any water. And we hate this awful food. We hate being locked in our houses. Now look at this, verse 6. Then the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the Israelites, and then the snakes bit them, and many of the people died. Now, I said in the beginning that this sickness is not from God because God is not that way. And then you can look at this and say, but Pastor Kevin, that, that word right there in my Bible, you told me to read it. You even told me you like this version. And look right there. It says the Lord sent it. Well, hold on. And when we look at that word sent, which is why it is in yellow, the next screen is going to show us what it literally means. And I'm not going to try and pronounce it, but it means to bade farewell or to cast off, or to set, certainly let them go. So can I suggest to you that it is, if we can go back to that previous screen, please, that it isn't that God sent it as if he intended it, but he released it. He certainly let go of where he's holding back the waters, where he's holding back things that would hurt us. He goes, hey, you want to talk bad about me? I'll just take my hands off. And that's what I see is happening here more than God's like, oh, I'm going to throw a temper tantrum because you, did, you said something bad about me. Uh, well, watch this. I'm going to throw a lightning bolt. And that's the image that most people have of God. But I want to suggest to you, it means 
he stepped back. He goes, okay, you want to talk bad about me? I'll just let you deal with things on your own. As we're facing this time of uncertainty and we've got all of these bad things that are happening, now is not the time for us to say, God, why are you doing all this stuff? And he goes, okay, you want, to let go, you want to handle this on your own? I'll just step back. But when the calamity happened in the uncertainty, verse 7, they came to Moses and said, we have sinned. And man, if nothing else happens in, in this whole calamity, if the nation of America and the world as a whole could come together and say, God, we have sinned. And recognize that we have a need of our Heavenly Father. Some are, some aren't. But that would be a wonderful thing to benefit from this. We have sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take these snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And again, we talked about last week in the message, there is a hope to pray to focus on prayer. And, and rather than try and set 10 minutes aside, to set 10 times for one minute during the day just to throw up a prayer. And you're like, God, this situation is, is bothering me. Okay, okay, I'm going, going. And, and then a few minutes later or hours later, God, this situation, oh, God, God I'm, I'm just going to continue to give this to you. Man, if you have to pray 10 times in an hour, if you have to pray every minute, whatever place you find yourself to keep throwing, it's not about spending long periods of time. Those are great. But we'd rather see you spend lots of individual short periods of time than to try and miss it on having long periods. So Moses prayed for the people. Look at this. The next screen says, then the Lord said to Moses, Moses prayed and God answered. Can I tell you right now, when you pray, God is going to answer. That's why I'm telling you, prayer changes things. When you ask God to get involved in your life, when you say, God, I have sinned, I've missed it with you. I've missed the mark. And I'm asking you to help me. And, and even the things that I don't know where I missed it, God, help me in this. He's going to be right there. He told Moses, make a snake. So craft some arts and crafts, Mark, um, Moses. Go to, to um, Michael's and go to one of these other places that has it and, and, and craft a snake. And then look at this. Put it on a pole. Then anyone who is bitten can look at it and remain alive. And this is where we get the symbol of our medical that is still widely used today. Universally, it is the snake on a pole. But God says, when you have this calamity, Moses, I want you to stand between where the people are getting bit and dying and me. And in the midst of that, you're going to raise up this snake on a pole. And whoever sees it will remain alive. Verse 9, so Moses made a bronze snake and he put it out upon a pole. Then anyone who was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake remained alive. So let me ask you, what are you focusing on? 
See, because they're sitting there between where they're dying and God, and they prayed, God gave an answer, but they could have still been looking at the snakes and they would have died. But he says, lift up your eyes and look. Look to where the leaders are taking you and looking to what God's answer is, this snake that is lifted up on a pole. And it's certainly... A foreshadowing of Jesus being lifted up on a cross to stand between us and God. But what are they focusing on? Because if they didn't look at Moses holding the pole, holding the snake, they died. But if they looked, they remained alive. So what are you focusing on? What are you looking at? That's the big question. What is it you're looking at? But you see, right now, God is speaking. But are we listening? Are we changing our focus from being on what everything is around us to lift up your eyes to where your help comes from? You know where the help came from? When God spoke and said, see, it wasn't about the, the snake that was made out of bronze. It wasn't about the pole. It wasn't about the whole arts and crafts project. It was about obedience. What are you looking at? What is your focus on? In Genesis, Abraham took his nephew with him when he left. And, and then he went and they separated. And I'm not going to go into that. It's a great story. It's another great one for you to go and read on your own. But they separated and, and Lot went to where the, the, everything was great and wonderful. And the cities were, you know, just rocking and just having this great old time. And, and, and Abraham went over here where it's dry and barren. And he took the lesser of the obvious things that would be good. And the city continued to go worse and worse. And God get really upset with what was going on. And he goes, I'm going to come down and destroy them. And in one, as I was reading through this whole chapter this week, it says, God says, I don't even know if I should loop Abraham into this. Should I reveal to him what I'm thinking? And that just cracked me up. He ends up telling Abraham in Genesis 18 and starting with verse 20 and you can go on along there. And, and God says, hey, I'm going to go and I'm going to destroy this city. And then Abraham begins to negotiate with God. Well, God, you know, there's some good people there. God, you know, and, and you know, he's thinking about his nephew and his wife and their children and their husbands and, and, and this extended family that's there. And, and he's like, well, God, you know, you want, you're a good God and you won't destroy them if, if there's some good people there. So God, how about this? If you can find 50 people there that are good, you'll save everybody. And God goes, well, okay. But then Mo, um, Abraham's thinking, he goes, well, I don't know that there's 50 good people there because they're really doing some vile things. Okay, God, how about this? How about 40? God goes, all right, 40. And he goes, eh, I'm not sure there's 40 people. Okay, how about 30? And then 20. And then he got to 10. And I just, it's not in the Bible. I'm, I'm just telling you right now, it's not in the Bible. But in my mind, I'm thinking, he's thinking, well, there's Lot, his wife, his daughters, and did today, and he's doing okay. Yeah, there's 10 of them. Okay, we can do it. We can save everybody for 10. And that's why he stopped at 10. 
I also further believe that if he went down to two, that God would have went there with him because he so loved Abraham. And as he prayed for his family. But there wasn't ten. And in Genesis 19, picking up with verse 15, Again, in the NIRV, it says the sun was coming up and the angels that were sent by God to destroy and to wipe the whole thing out. And they said it's like an atomic bomb. As you, if you read the, descri- the description, it's like this mushroom cloud just comes up from that area after that. The angels tried to get Lot to leave and they said, hurry up and take your wife and your two daughters who are here. Get out and if you don't, you will be swept away when the city is destroyed. Verse 16, Lot didn't move right away. He He's kind of dragging his feet. So the men grabbed him by the hand, and they also took the hands of his wife and his two daughters, and they led them safely out of the city. Now, how many is that people? Lot, his wife, and his two daughters. That's four people. Didn't even make the ten. They led them out all safely out of the city, and the Lord had mercy on them. And as soon as the angels had brought them out, one of them spoke and said, Run for your lives. Look at this. Don't look back. What are you looking at? Don't look back. Don't stop anywhere in the valley and run to the mountains. And if you don't, you will be swept away. See, even in the, in the midst of this destruction that's coming, even in the midst of God's judgment r- raining down on this city and this area, he's like, hey, if you don't do what you're supposed to do, you could get swept up in it as well. Verse 25, then the Lord destroyed all of these cities in the whole valley. And all the people who were living in the cities were wiped out. And so were the plants in the land. Again, it's like a nuclear holocaust just going in there and just wiping everything out. Can I tell you again, what we're facing right now is not the judgment of God. That was the judgment of God. This is not the judgment of God. There is a judgment coming, but this is not it. And how do I know? You may ask me, that may be your thought immediately. Well, how do you know, Pastor Kevin? It could be. I can tell you this of a surety because God's judgment is going to come and it's going to judge everybody. And that's at the very end, and this isn't the very end. Okay, if, if God's judging all of us, he's going to judge every single one of us for every single thing that we've done wrong or not done right, and it's all going to come down. It's not going to just be over here to select things and just coming. This is not that judgment, but it's coming. But look at this, verse 26. But Lot, what, Lot's wife looked back. What did the angel say? What was the word from God? Don't look back. And when she did, she became a pillar made out of salt or a salt pillar. She is running with him and she couldn't get away from what she was leaving behind and she turned around to disobey and immediately stopped dead in her tracks and became a pillar. See, obedience is the primary thing. God was saving their lives and yet giving them specific, explicit instructions to don't look back. You need to head to the mountains and and, and man, you're going to get caught up in this if you don't. And she couldn't do it. 
So I'll ask you again. What are you focusing on? What are you looking at? What is it that is keeping your eyes and your minds preoccupied with? My RA when I was at Christ of the Nations, Wade Guidry, a good old Cajun boy, he posted today on Facebook this story. And I did a little bit of research to try and find out more about this pastor. And there's a lot of controversy, so I can't guarantee the, the veracity of this, of this story or the, whether or not he was a good person or not. I'm just going off of what I read. Okay? So just take that for what it's worth. But there's a story of this Dr. John Alexander Dowie, who is a pastor, and I'm going to read this, this post for you who was a pastor of a church in Sydney, Australia, when the bubonic plague struck around 1875. He buried 40 members of his church in less than one month, and four more people from his congregation died and were yet to be buried. And many others became sick with this awful plague in which there was no cure. After visiting many sick members of his flock one day, Dr. Dowie returned home and sat in his study, and his arms folded on his desk, his head upon his arms, weeping before God. God, he said, is everyone going to die? He cried. Are you going to take everybody? Where did this plague come from? And are you the author of this? And can I just tell you, stopping right there, that's where many people are at today. God, is everybody going to die? And they're running around looking at all of the bad reports and all the bad situations that are happening. Continuing on, he was heart sick at the thought of the families that would be torn apart by the plague, at the children who would be left orphans. John Alexander Doughty later wrote that the words found in Acts 10, 38 stood out before him as a light, showing Satan as the defiler and Christ as the healer. Quote, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. My tears were wiped away, Dr. Dowie said, and my heart was strong. I saw the way of healing and that the door thereto was open wide, so I said, God help me now to preach the word to all the dying around and to tell them that tis Satan who defiles and Jesus still delivers, for he is still the same today. Whether or not this story is true, that is true. Let me tell you, Jesus is still the same today. He did not have long to wait. Within minutes, two young men burst into his study, pleading breathlessly, Oh, come at once. Mary is dying. Dr. Dowie ran down the street after them, not even pausing to take his hat. He was furious that Satan should have attacked this innocent young member of his flock. Dr. Dowie entered Mary's room and found her in convulsions, and her medical doctor, having given up on her, was preparing to leave. He turned to Dr. Dowie and said, Sir, are not God's ways mysterious? The revelation Dr. Dowie had just received from the word of God was burning in his heart. God's way, he thundered. How dare you call that God's way? No, sir, that is the devil's work. He challenged the physician who was a member of his congregation. Can you pray the prayer of faith that saves the sick? The doctor replied, you are much too excited, sir. Tis best to say God's will be done. And then he left. God forbid. 
When we're called upon to say, hey, we're going to activate the prayer of faith over someone. The prayer of of being convinced that God is able to heal them. And for this guy to say as a doctor, hey, it's better just to leave it at God, let your will be done. And that takes all the responsibility off me. I can walk off. Excited, the word was quite inadequate for what I was almost frenzied with divinely imparted anger and hatred of that foul destroyer disease which was doing Satan's will, Dowie wrote. It is not so, I exclaimed. No will of God sends such cruelty, and I shall never say God's will be done to Satan's works, which God's own son came to destroy, and this is one of them. Oh, how the word of God was burning in my heart. Furious at Satan's work, Dr. Dowie then prayed the prayer face for Mary, and the girl's convulsions immediately ceased And she fell into such a deep sleep, so much so that her mother worried she had just died. She isn't dead, the triumphant Dr. Dowie assured her. After several minutes, Dr. Dowie awakened Mary, and she turned to her mother and exclaimed, Mother, I feel so well. Dr. Dowie quietly thanked God and went into the next room where Mary's brother and sister lay with the same plague. After prayer, they too were also completely healed from that day on. John Alexander Dowie ministered to his flock on divine healing and continued to pray for their healing because of his belief in divine healing. He never lost another one of his church members to the plague. What an amazing story of the power of God. But can I circle back to last week's message again? To Romans 8, 35. And look at this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ. But interestingly, who? What person can? And it goes on from my person now to situations. Shall trouble or hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or the sword? See, who is a person and these other things are situations and and they're completely different. So let me ask you this. Can any person, can any situation? But let me tell you something. Let me make it plain here. You can. You can separate yourself from the love of God. You can keep your eyes focused just like Moses was sitting there holding the pole up with the answer from God and people didn't die when they looked. But if they didn't look, they did. If you keep your focus on what is down here trying to pull you down, you can live a life separated. You can cause all these bad things to happen and just let them happen. But you see, verse 37, but in all these things, we are more than conquerors by ourselves. No, through him who loves us. Through him, Jesus. See, it's not me and myself. It's not me and my prayers. It's not me and my great faith. It's me activating the prayer of faith that Jesus came and lived as a person. He lived as a human being. He died as a sacrifice in his great power that he imparted to us. We can then activate 
through him in all these things we are more than conquerors let me tell you something if you try and do it by yourself if you try and do it through you you don't have the same result will you bow your heads before we can experience life through Jesus before we can experience that more than conquerors you have to meet him you have to begin a relationship with him what are you focusing on a better question is who are you focusing on is it you living your own life or is it you living a surrendered life this morning today I want to offer you the opportunity to surrender your life to God maybe it's the first time maybe you don't even understand it but you're willing to take that step of faith maybe something's being stirred up with inside of you that you say okay I, I still don't understand it all but I'm going to take that first step and I want to pray that prayer with you maybe you have been someone who who walked away and you say man once I was walking in this way I kind of got off the path all of us are at equal places. We got to change our focus onto Him. I want to encourage you to surrender your life, to give your life to God. Maybe give your life again to God. If that's you today, just simply say this prayer after me. Say, God in heaven, I want to begin a relationship with you. I want to know you. Today I come to you and I ask you to forgive me for every time I've missed it. I surrender my life to you. Thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. And the best way I know how, I love this part, I'm going to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Father, I thank you for everyone who prayed that prayer. Lord, whether it's someone coming back to you or, or maybe somebody's just taking that first initial step, like putting their little, their little toe into the water just to test and kind of see, God. But Lord, you, I know you've got the biggest smile on your face. The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices when one person comes. Lord, help us to have our focus on you, to get our eyes off of the circumstances and, and the snakes that are trying to get us the snakes that are all around us and, and help us to keep our focus on you as our healer. That it's through you we are more than conquerors. And let us have rest in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If that's you this morning, I want to invite you to take the next step, and that's simply to text the word NEXT, N-E-X-T, to 469 289-1114. That's our text communication system so we can communicate back and forth with you and let you know what your next steps could be if you would like to do that. Again, that's text the word NEXT to 469-289-1114. And, and I encourage you to give your testimony to somebody and tell them what God is doing in your life and, and, and give hope. Invite somebody to take this journey with you. Tell somebody about what God is stirring up inside of you and, and just give them simply what you know. You can't give them anything you don't know. Give them what you do know. What revelation you've had. 
and invite them to take this journey with you and with us. And maybe you want to copy this URL or if you're getting our text um, every Sunday, you can send this text to somebody and say, hey, just, I want you to, to check this out and let's talk about it. Lastly, if you want to be a part of the solution that is giving to us, and while well, it was a funny joke in the beginning about, you know, if you got 30 rolls of toilet paper, you need to give three to the church for 10%. It got, tithing hasn't stopped. And let me tell you, don't stop in the midst of a struggle because we need to keep walking in the things that God has for us. And if you want to do it, the easiest way is text to give, and that's simply to text the word give to 469 469- Four one zero seven seven eight eight. It's a different number than our text communication because it is finances. It's got to be kept separate. Again, text the word "give" to four six nine four one zero seven seven eight eight, or you can go to give to belong dot com. Let's close in prayer. Father God, I just thank you for the message of encouragement that there is a hope, and Lord, this week that there is a focus that we have to keep our eyes on you. Lord, as your words say, to lift up our eyes to the hills, Lord, not down to the valleys where it's rough, but Lord, lift our eyes up to the hills where we want to go. Lord, where it says our salvation is going to come from. Lord, we give you all this. Lord, I speak healing over anyone that's watching that has been diagnosed with the disease. Lord, I speak health. Lord, we activate the prayer of faith for anyone who's facing that difficulty. And Lord, I believe that your word is true. And Lord, we don't have to be there to lay hands on them. Lord, they can simply just say out of their mouth, I choose to receive. And Lord, your word is activated inside of them. Father, we speak the word, the word of healing, the word of health. In Jesus' name, amen.